Welcome to episode 15 of the Creative Wellbeing Podcast, a series of real and raw conversations supporting the connection with your unique creative voice to inspire a fulfilling and beautiful life. I'm Jess Fitzgibbon, a musician, writer, and creative mentor. Today I chat with musician and artist Adam Sullivan, who I met earlier this year at a masterclass he taught on his conceptual framework. I was fascinated to learn more about how Adam developed his creative project made by Suki, his relationship with his creative identity, and the connection with his audience through this medium. So I invited him on the show. Over the last decade, Made by Suki has been busy signing record deals with the world's biggest DJs, ghost producing millions of streams for major labels, touring both nationally and internationally, speaking at conferences, teaching masterclasses, and exhibiting digital art in some of Australia's most iconic galleries. The ultimate goal for Made by Suki is to build a holistic artist experience for those who appreciate the beautiful dance between music and art. In this episode, we explore the conceptual world of Made by Suki and Adam's creative philosophies and process. Enjoy. Thanks for joining me today on the podcast, Adam. No worries, Jess. Thanks for having me. I loved hearing you speak at um, the Live School Masterclass. You're such a natural speaker. Like you obviously have a podcast, but do you do a lot of speaking out and oh. about in the world? <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I, I do. I do speak a lot, but I think I think I enjoy listening heaps more. I, I was talking to my partner just yesterday about doing maybe silent retreats and that type of thing. As oh. a, um, but I feel like speaking is sort of built out of listening. It is. Mostly. So yeah, I've I've done little teaching courses and and a masterclass and a few conferences mm. around uh, blockchain, Web three sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And oh my god, was so nervous. Like I was I wasn't particularly natural public speaker in school or, or going through or anything like that. So it's uh, to come back to it and being a little bit older, the speaking part with the podcast and mm. it's uh it's exciting. But yeah, I still get the nerves. I was nervous just before and. When I'm nervous, yeah. I'm tea, so <laughs> I've got my tea. Nice. Yeah. I think it's like it's always easier when you're talking about stuff that you love, right, and exactly. something that you're sort of familiar with. So maybe you could start off by chatting about, um, you know, what you do in the world and what your creative process has been so far. So the goal for me as made by Suki with my artistic uh, path has always been to connect uh, music and visuals. I've started as a painter in high school. I had a great art teacher um, that sort of pulled me out of rebellious ways and <laughs> and straightened me up and and listened really to 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 where my interests were um, and gave me that space. So it's sort of always been a continuation of that painting and chasing that feeling of self-expression and identity. And I think that's so far been what I've been trying to work out it's hey who is it up here in between my eyes and and how do I express that in a way that's authentic and mm-hmm. as you grow up you I think that starts to become more natural but going through high school and starting with painting moving through to DJing at the same time and my first show was I was DJing and then turn around with a paintbrush and splash something on a canvas oh, and wow. so it's um it's always trying to bridge that gap 
painting in time moved to 3D visuals and just because they didn't really like uh, splashing paint around the nightclub <laughs> and around <laughs> expensive CDJs. Uh, so, yeah, that moved into digital um, 3D modelling, graphic design, uh, and the, the DJing moved into music production and a little bit of guitar and piano. And it's sort of been this beautiful path in, I think the artist's way is sort of the spiritual way too, mm. or the, the way to understand yourself. So it's always, it's always sort of been that path and that's always been the goal in, in bridging music and art. Can I find myself? Mm. Yeah. And do you find like the concepts you're working on with projects are very relevant to like what's going on in your life at that mm. moment? Yeah. I think at the start it felt like uh, something outside of myself, something I was trying to build, but over time they sort of the gap between um, what you're expressing and who you are as an individual each day, it sort of fades away. Mm, yeah. So do you find um, the work-life balance thing tricky? <laughs> because <laughs> totally. it can it can be a little bit like, um, yeah, enmeshed, I guess, the two worlds. And how do you kind of work through that stuff? Yeah, it's hard. Um, so for broader context, I run a business as well. We do soccer, football, um, photography, website building, anything digital agency, creative agency world within football. Mm-hmm. Um, so that takes up a lot of time. Like uh, the World Cup's coming up and I was just down in Melbourne shooting with Alex Chidiak, one of our Matildas. Oh. And I mean, it, it's it, it wasn't a music trip and it wasn't particularly an art trip. You know, it's a business trip. And so the mindset goes to, you know, you have to be on, you have to be personable, you have to be making a lot of decisions, a, a lot of the same nerves and mm. a lot of the same feelings come up. But, yeah, it sort of pushes the balance away from writing music and and sitting down and, and making art. So life-work balance for me, I've the way I deal with it is by letting go of it in a way, um, yeah. finding peace in the process, finding peace in the day-to-day, in the nowness of all of it mm. has helped sort of uh, I don't worry about life work-life balance so much anymore I mean Mm. I still feel the pressure I still go hey I need a I need a mental health day Mm. happens every fortnight or so and I need days with you know family friends around loved ones but I sort of see that as part of the same process so I don't want to call it work-life balance it's just just balance it's all the same thing (laughs) it's the same thing yeah yeah Yeah. the 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 more I let go of it being being these separate categories the sort of easier it gets Mm. Um, you should in the way you're talking to you know your parents and your partner you should speak to yourself in the same way when you're making your art and mm. with kindness and 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 letting you like treating yourself like a friend mm. so do you um sort of not then structure your life too much around routines and rituals and things like that <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's almost the opposite I, mm. I very much my google calendar going forward and going back is a reflection of what I've done so you know that's building plans out for each day um hour by hour sort of thing but then you know if if something went different going back and treating it as like a journal as well mm-hmm. in that hey I can see what I did last week and I felt like a lot of the times when I was struggling with work-life balance it's because I didn't have a clear picture and I was letting the self-doubt side of myself dictate what productivity looked like rather than just recording it Mm-hmm. And go. Oh, actually, no. I did. I did do a lot of work this week, and I, I am on track to reach those longer goals that I've set up. So, hey, mm. it's, it's fine. I, I know 
looking at the calendar that I've put the hours in and I can uh, I can take the day off or I can spend the night writing music or something like mm. that. So you found that like having too much space could then create a sense of like self-doubt of what was actually happening. Like you found the journaling process is what's given you that you can actually look at the recording and be like, okay, I'm doing mm. stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think for me, my artistic side, and I'm sure this is shared maybe by some people listening, it's like you don't want to fall into those um, routines and, and mathematical ways of operating, building processes, you, like art should be free and, and totally it should, but art is also a restriction and like clearing the data, putting it up for yourself to see and, and going, oh, okay, here's, here's this clear picture of where the time's been and coming to that with a fresh mind, a new, like my creative self coming to that going like, oh, that's a lot of freaking work in Google. Like the mm. art self naturally sort of takes over at that point. Mm. Um, so we go so far as to um, so make it you were scheduling in time for DJing. Would mm. you be very specific about the task at hand or would you kind of just have the framework of um, you're going to be spending time on that project sort of thing? Yeah, maybe a little agenda, but no more than three lines and three bullet points. Uh, mm. I'll normally come to that with a, just with a fresh mind, just knowing, hey, you've put this, you'll sit like sit down at the desk, you've put the time in, you're here for this. And that's sort of where my responsibility stops for me almost, mm. um, especially when I'm going to make music. I'll just make sure that, you know, I've sat down, I've, I've cleared my mind, I've got my tea, I've put the incense on, it's all there. And then it's no judgment and no effort from that point. Um, mm. It's just sort of autopilot in a way. And just, yeah, my responsibilities are sort of done there. So, mm. And is know. there flexibility within that in terms of like make it, you were feeling a lot of resistance towards what you had put down as the to-do list. Like how do you work around that sometimes rebellious side that comes up when we're not feeling great or we're just like, oh, I cannot be fucked to do this. Like how do you work through that in terms of that kindness towards yourself? Because sometimes when we have these structures, it can be also easy to then feel like a failure if we haven't kind of ticked all the boxes. Mm. Yeah, I think um, so I'm a big meditator and I think that having that distance from your thoughts and your judgments helps me get out of the way of that that's not to say I don't still hear all the same thoughts it's that I just let them pass like a wave through ocean just let it go okay cool I'm sure I'll have another like I'm a sensitive boy I'm sure I'll have more feelings in another two minutes and who (laughs) knows what flavor they'll be yeah so trying to stay put in the nowness and understanding hey I've done my google calendar I've done my mathematical side I know that the boxes are ticked and I'm prepared to be here and mm. feeling having that safety and like, yeah, I really have prepared for the moment. So yeah, the foot's off the gas. Um, mm. a little bit there. Mm. Yeah. So how long have you been meditating for and like, how has that affected your creative work? Yeah. Uh, Meditation is huge for me. I just got goosebumps under my puffer jacket here. It is cold, but also <laughs> um, this is, this is special stuff to me. So I think I've been I've been meditating for maybe four years or so. Um some sometimes quite heavily, like six hour sittings and and trying to do the longer ones, but also just in half a moment. Um it only takes a moment to meditate. You only need to catch one thought and understand, okay, here I'm here, I'm here in the now, the only moment mm-hmm. that exists, and I'm with my breath. It's it's all good. Um so I think, yeah, it's it's that idea of the 
spiritual journey is the artist's journey. And when I say mm. spiritual, I try to keep it away from religion. I'm not religious in any way. Um, but I think there's a lot of good ideas there. And I think meditation is sort of somewhat ingrained in some religions that sort of, yeah, they they speak to how to be a human in the world, which is which is being an artist in the world. And um, mm. yeah, so I think it changed the character of what I'm putting out as well. It, it feels the things I'm working on naturally feel more authentic because they're more connected with my natural thoughts. And I think meditation is a big part of that. Mm. So yeah, as, as I say, the artist way is the spiritual way and, and that's the way of being a human. So um, meditation taught, taught me that and mm. it, it humbled me in a way it was, so I, I turn 18, I fly overseas, um, sign a record deal with Steve Aoki, you know, the biggest biggest DJ I could think of. And all of that was very satisfying. Like I, I was sitting in a, in a NASCAR racetrack at Vegas watching, dancing with 45,000 people um, wow. to, a, to a remix of that I'd made in the other room here down in um, sunny old Sutherland, south of Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so it was really on a plate at that point for me. It was, it was, Hey, here's the moment. Here is all the boxes ticked and now what? Mm. And it was that stop in time of like, Oh, okay. I wake up next day. I still feel the same, the same thoughts run through your head. Um, it was very much a what's next. And just having that physical moment of being there in the crowd with so many people, and then the next day feeling the same, it's like, okay, well, the answer's not in uh, achievements. It's not in my to-do list. It's not in my Google calendar. It's It, it just couldn't exist anywhere there. So mm. um, that's sort of what drove me to, or that's what led me to sort of seek out meditation. Mm. And how do you work with um, vision and, you know, the, the future thinking that comes into play sometimes as a creative process of this is where I want to go. How do you balance that with staying in the now? Because it can be tricky, right? Because there is it's, that yeah. gap that we're yeah. trying to sort of fill. There's a huge gap. So the way I visualize it is as a North star. So you would use that to orient yourself. Your goal is your North star, but don't expect that walking on the earth, like walking your artistic path is going to get you to the North star. Mm. Like you will be grounded and on earth and a human in a human's body that makes mistakes the whole time. Mm. Yeah. So that North star, that goal, um, you don't you use it to orient yourself and always have that relationship with it, have that distance from it because no one's ever been able to sort of exactly reach the exact point that they thought, they were going to it always looks different mm, yeah and I think there's this sense of yeah feeling like transcendent when we reach these places but like you said often you're just like oh is that it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it feels it if, if you're listening to this if you know every moment you'll ever have will feel exactly like this one does now mm, like it's exactly. always now every the future and the past is is just story and although it may be rooted in total truth it's it's gone and, and all we have to touch is the the stories and frameworks that we put around those things so mm. and sometimes the moments that do feel most magical and transcendent are the ones that are the most simple like mm. when you're sitting out I don't know having a cup of tea looking at a tree <laughs> yeah yeah with a bit of sunshine it's <laughs> yeah. yeah it's all made of the same stuff and there's there's the answer if if there is an answer the answer's there as much as it is anywhere else mm. so 
with Made by Suki, how did it, how did it work like creating that? And do you consider it to be a brand or do you consider it to be an artist? Like how do you associate with it? Uh it's 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 sort of both. It's it's definitely uh, a version of me and an identity, a, char- a character maybe of mm. of mine that lets that lets me express myself. Um, so it, it's interesting. I, I there's such duality with music and and art and and just having a creative project that uh, it's hard to really put in one box. So mm. I don't know. I don't know. With with Made by Suki, it's uh, I've seen it as a brand before and it sometimes feels that when I think of it that way, I can't grow and I can't evolve. And there's certain tropes that I need to keep leaning into. Mm. Whereas the move in the last couple of years has been to let go of all of that, to let go of the brand and just let myself speak Mm. in a way that's authentic. So it's hard because you do need to sell music. There is like, it is a little bit of a business. And branding is great for business <laughs> in that <laughs> in that people can identify with and and you're always a rock that they can bounce back to and it seems like the same thing. But to create those truly deep connections with fans, which I think are, is the actual right approach, means that I needed to drop the restrictions that come with thinking of my project as a brand. Mm. Yeah. So, because I wonder how intentional people, like if we think of someone like David Bowie, like mm. I wonder how intentional he was with, like the characters were probably something that he just wanted to explore as play and he's constantly retransform, like transforming himself, mm. which for business probably wouldn't be a great idea. <laughs> I, I can imagine his record label, they would have had a lot of long chats about that. And that's the thing, to to transcend, you need to transcend the brands and those expectations too like branding is expectations so mm. if you don't move past them and constantly evolve like Bowie like Bowie always was then yeah you don't reach that level that that Bowie did in like people are believers in Bowie mm. you know and when you've got maybe some more branded music projects like people are fans but um they don't they, they sort of can't take what you're doing as a belief system and, and sort of own it because it might not come that authentic so Mm. how much do you think fans are connecting to the person behind the music compared to the music or do you think it varies do you know what I mean because we're talking about expressing our authentic self like a part of the musicians are in the music but then you know I mean there's so much projection as well Mm. yeah I I think there's like to have the longevity you need uh, a core group of people that really understand you and can understand yourself and you need to be transparent to ever gain that Mm. so I think that's like the core that doesn't really go away that you'll have for years and years and that will able to be passed pass your art on to a next generation Mm. and for them to have those lessons learned as well I I just when you've got those when you've got something that doesn't connect with the person's authentic self and it's just a bit flashy and trendy and um of the time it, it gets it gets it washes away like a wave you know you you it, it it disappears really quick. So I think that's what I was, some of what I was struggling with because a lot of when I went over to the States and had that moment, it was, hey, like like it was at the peak of a trend, a little macro trend in electronic music, which is like, which is great, but it meant that the experience was really transient too mm-hmm. in that 
Yeah. So yeah. I think finding like that has sort of been the little bit that I was tricked by. And then I'm now circling back to the project. Okay. It needs to connect with me because otherwise it just, it doesn't hold up. Mm, yeah. I think the human mind wants to create sort of rules and formulas to try and understand things that are actually, you can't really capture it as simply as that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I heard a scientist um, say, yeah, science is all models and, and the brain is all models and all models are wrong. Mm. And we should, under, <laughs> we should understand that, that every time something is um, put into a framework, you, you've, you've cut something, you've, you've framed it, you know, something's mm. out of the picture now. You don't have, don't have the clearest sense of the, uh, the entirety mm. of what's going on. So I th- yeah, the brain, the brain's a really beautiful simulation that I think we can have some distance to um, and understand that. Yeah it'll make heaps of mistakes. In fact, it's built on mistakes. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's a good point. Yeah, and I guess with the branding side of things, it can be down to, yeah, like an expectation. Like you said, it's more around selling. And, again, that becomes more of this formula of looking at what fans are wanting or what the market's wanting rather than what can you create and where are we ever going to have new creations or something that's, you know, um, I guess what touches people the most, what do you think touches people the most? Like why do you think some music and some art becomes super popular compared to other things? I think you can listen to music and finally feel heard mm. and feel connected. And I know that with my favourite music I, I can relate it back to either the most beautiful times in my life or the most traumatic times in my life. And it's what connects people to music is when they can see themselves in it. And without putting yourself authentically in the music, people aren't going to see themselves in it. Mm. So, yeah, I I think that's the way to make those big connections is I guess when we're talking about brand, you can brand from an outside in perspective or an inside out perspective. And I think going in out is the way because it'll take longer, but your true character will emerge naturally rather than, being something that's um, a mirror that's put up sort of Mm. to reflect society. So tricky game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think as well, like often with, you know, authors and writers and you see so much writing on Instagram and things these days Mm. as well, often it's the same message, um, Mm. but we need all the different voices saying it in the different ways because people understand things differently or they relate to a certain type of person because they see similarities of themselves so I think in the same way with music and art like every artist is relevant it's just Mm. who you are connecting with is going to be different all the time yeah totally I think I truly think everything's a bit of a remix and yeah and not just remix in like the music remix sense but maybe a different way to say it is um the quote where you 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 should still still as much as you can until you sort of obscure what you've stolen. Mm. I think that's sort of close to where, like, even w- with any creativity, that's sort of the process. So um, you steal enough stuff, you your your curation will emerge as if you're, you know, building an art gallery. You have to say mm. no, no to 99.9% of things and then um, your character will emerge over those, th- those pieces you've taken. Mm, yeah, I love that. So do you see, like, looking back at, like, the earlier days of painting in high school, like, do you see parts of yourself now still, like, in that then? Like, are mm. there parts of what you created then still coming up now? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's It still has the same flavour. Um, mm-hmm. 
my paintings feel like my music and my music feels like my digital art and it all sort of resolves revolves around the same same themes uh, and it's connect again connected to meditation and connected to mindfulness and um just whatever's going on between my two eyes is is sort of what's driving it so there's certainly been the same themes come through in painting and and music and and digital art um mm. and I'm a, a big part of me is still that high school rebellious kid yeah. um that you know that was that was showing that sort of um trust from from you know a, a plenty of beautiful teachers and beautiful people in my life so it's uh yeah I still feel the same it's just an extension I guess yeah I agree <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important not to lose that because I don't know I've I've I, I just recently in the last year or so I've been just watching babies like little kids and I'm like there's something they there's something they really get they don't know mm. much but the one thing they know they really know like it's mm. the truth like they just sort of take in the world with open eyes and an open mind and I think that's our role as a creative so I think we can't lose that child in us it's really important like don't be naive and and don't put yourself in situations where where that child could be hurt you know it's also your role to protect that child but Mm. yeah don't don't throw it away Mm, yeah for sure yeah I think it's interesting often like we 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 can often discover what our passions are in our childhood and then it takes us most of our adult life to come back around to that (laughs) or if you're lucky you you stick with it and like for me I sort of you know new music was my thing at a very young age went all the way through got to 21 and then left uni left my music Mm. degree and was like oh I better get a real job now and I better like be responsible and then it's taken me years to kind of come back around so how did you sort of stick with it after after you kind of came out of that kind of cocoon that you often have in school where you've Mm. got those supportive figures in your life or did you kind of replace those teachers with you know a community yeah it it certainly was um ever emerging teachers in my life and I think I still often have distance from my music and I'll go away from it and come back to it and I think that's a natural process that's sort of fine for me it's always been fine Mm. um so I think the timing of everything that was going on as well like straight out of high school it was pretty much on for me Mm. and I went from a bubble to like I don't know just the the dream that I really wanted sort of being right there so again probably a bubble Mm. um and I I think I, I think COVID humbled me in a really nice way like the timing worked I was had a lot of the boxes ticked that you know the ego wanted ticked yeah and and then and then it was time to sit down and and think so mm. the timing worked I had a really good COVID um, to yeah me too <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um I think I've come out of out of it you know a, a different person and a version of myself that I can be really proud of so yeah it's it's maybe the timing worked out different where, you know, I went overseas and had one version of success and and now it's been time to post high school, you know, reassess everything. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think that's been really beautiful. It's, it's part of the process. You need to go dark for a little bit, I think, and you need to really work out what drives you and, and, and you need to reconnect with that child in a way that can make art (laughs) and, Mm. and maybe even make some money making art. Mm. so yeah it's that it's that balance right it's Mm. yeah 
Do you consider like when you're making, because I think money is an interesting topic around art and it's something I'm really exploring a lot because there's a lot of like negative, you know, belief systems around either the starving artist or selling out and all this. Um, What's your sort of um, perspective on it? I don't, it's it's tricky. I've I've definitely worn both hats in that. Um, I've done my minute. I've done my year or so eating two minute noodles and and making art every day and and living that life. And it was really meaningful because it strips stuff down to the bare essentials. But the starving artist trope is damaging, really mm-hmm. damaging. And there's so many people living that life that it's it's kind of, it's it's tricky. But sometimes it's a little bit of an easy path to go down. And maybe a little bit of a self-destructive path to go down. And I think people who are self-destructive and people who make art, there's a big crossover there. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I think there's some of that baked into it. And then I don't know, capitalism, unfortunately. It's it's <laughs> we've got to interact with this system as, you know, these spiritual beings that, you know, we still need a roof over our head and we need food in our bellies. And and I don't know a way to do that without money at the mm. moment. Uh and so there, there, therein lies the problem of, hey, okay, now we need to interact with this system. How can we do that ethically? How can mm-hmm. we do it in a way that's, you know, we're not putting ourselves at risk? Uh, mm-hmm. Because the dream for all of us shouldn't be to blow up and be famous. It should be able to longevity in our creative process, whatever mm-hmm. that and, looks like. And so, freedom within it as well. And freedom. And unfortunately, that means financial freedom. So it's not the side of the brain that we have been honing in for, the, for all our lives probably. But it is really important, and that's where a lot of balance can come from. You know, I see so many great artists that really struggle to monetize what they're doing, and it means they can't make art forever, which is tragic. So mm. baking it in as part of your responsibility to yourself as insert whatever creative you are here, mm. I think having that mindset is is good. And, yeah, as long as you can find a way to do it, in a way that doesn't that actually adds to the whole system and adds value to everyone you're mm. not just uh, taking resources from other people and i think that i think it needs to be part of the equation so mm. getting getting past it um even if the income doesn't come from music find a way to to get money in to support your to, to support your passions and you'll find that longevity which is the main goal mm. yeah how do you find like cuz you've got this business with the soccer things as well like do you find that a distraction from your art or do you find it it also gives to your art yeah it it's both it's definitely a distraction and it's definitely gives like it it's had me behind a camera and taking video and interviewing people and doing all these types of creative roles that I never would have been able to do in music Mm. and because they're outside of music that like these skills I'm picking up when I take them back into music it's it's more unique Mm. So finding ways to have the things you're doing outside music actually impact your music in a way that's unique to you is, is a pretty cool way to do it. So mm. that's sort of how I've, that's my mindset around the business. If there's all these skills and there's the ability to like understand a balance sheet and understand profit and loss and, mm. and those types of skills that will help me make art for the rest of my life. And that's, sure. the, that's the goal. So uh, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. It's Soccer is also a passion for you as well, though, right? Yeah, it's sport more. Mm-hmm. I think the reason it's football is because 
or soccer is because it's the biggest religion in the world, really. Like there's <laughs> billions of people that can connect like they do over music around this sport. Mm. And I'm like, okay, if I, if like the goal really is to connect with people and one of my personal goals is to become more of a global citizen, mm. then, Hey, maybe, maybe this is the path. It's, that's what I love about football. I don't, I don't have a favorite team. I don't mm-hmm. really stay up and watch it late, but having authentic connect connections through sport in the same way I did with music is just heartwarming. So mm. football is a good vehicle to do that. Um, and having a business in football sort of ticks a little bit of a money box as well. So mm. it's about having that North star goal. And, you know, as I said, one of those is money and one of those is being global citizen. Another one is mm. making art for life. So mm. It's aligned with that North Star, even understanding that I'm never going to be at that North Star. Yeah. Um, with your, like you're talking about connecting with people. So how do you connect with people through your art? Like what are the different ways that looks like? I think my favourite would be DJing, playing shows. Um, that's something I've done since I was 12, DJing uh, wow. twice a weekend for, you know, that was my job growing, coming through high school. So, That's so cool. Such a yeah, cool job. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 20, 26 now and I've probably been DJing for 14 years. So, so that's where I fell in love with connection mm. and human connection. And, and it was really a space where I felt so comfortable inviting, you know, everyone in and then everyone would have a good time. So it's like, oh, okay. I, I don't know how else I do that in my life day to day. So it's, that's that's why I DJ and play shows and that's sprouted a lot of the interest in electronic music is because I go I can go out and play it mm. so it burns me a little bit with COVID and being here in Sydney with our nightlife sort of being under the pump for the last I don't know eight ten a while years now, yeah, yeah. Uh, we had one of the strongest electronic music scenes in the world and uh, as a I talk about venues and artists but you know places that this culture can actually spring from we had so much of that going on all, you know, around the East coast of Australia and in Perth. So it's hard knowing that some of those seeds that might've been planted in 18 year olds as they're, you know, going to nightclubs for the first time or experiencing that connection. um, That's happening a little bit less at the moment, which is a little bit worrying. Mm. So mind you, there's culture picking back up now, like um, the schedule starting to fill up for DJ gigs, um, which has been awesome. And I think that people are ready to go out again. Mm. So that would be number one. I think number two, social media, it, it works great. Uh, I don't love it. I hate opening up Instagram and I pretty much only use Instagram. It's just, I've, it, it's one of those things that feels, obviously it, it's as good as it is bad. So, but share your process. Like mm. people want to see more than you would think they want to see. Mm. Uh, and I think that's a pretty powerful way to to grow as an artist although yeah take it with uh, a big handful of salt (laughs) yeah it's something I'm constantly like contemplating like this morning I was literally journaling about social media Mm. and just thinking like is this just another belief system that it we think it's important to be on it um and how much is the connection actually getting through and, mm. you know, I sometimes I go to delete it. And I'm like, okay, there's a few people I speak to directly on it, but I usually try and transfer people over to WhatsApp or something yeah. after a while. 
But it's it's tricky because it's also a place to express yourself. So it is also a tool as an artist. Where, mm. And I do enjoy it to some degree. It's just being yeah. able to balance and it is a tool. And then there's the other things. Like I heard someone the other day say, you know, it's so bad for your mental health. And I think that anything can be bad for your mental <laughs> yeah, health. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just how you use it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's a few ethics baked into how they're running the algorithms that are just not helpful to an individual. Mm. But it is the relationship that you have with social media that would be negative, I guess, mm. rather than, I don't know, the entities themselves, very questionable, but yeah, maybe neither, maybe neither good nor bad. Um, yeah. It, it's tough. It's a tough game. I, I really felt like my identity was hooked up in my Instagram and SoundCloud following account for years. Mm. So I have to keep distant from it because mm. otherwise it, changes how I work in a studio when I'm not on social media. So as long as it's now I have a relationship where it doesn't infiltrate my process and mm. it amplifies or, you know, illuminates my process. Mm. And I think, I think that's the territory to get to, but that took me many, many years. Like, uh, you know, DJing so young, I sort of was running that business through Instagram as well. So mm. it's sort of been 10 years of, putting really hard work into one social media account and you get a little bit too tied up in it. So you're attached in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard because when I was young, it was like just messaging everyone hustling, you know, really like putting yourself in every single like situation that you could for any type of growth. And I think that's really important and social media is a great way to do it. You can just touch base with anyone and who Mm. knows, they'll probably hit you back, but Mm. yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. Mm. Yeah, I was sort of thinking this morning, you know, I think the the physical realm is more important than ever. And, mm. you know, I think I was kind of questioning, well, I really would like to be putting more effort into that space and making connections that way. Because when I thought about it, I was like, all my meaningful connections on Instagram began in a real life connection. Yeah. And then I <laughs> added them. <laughs> it's yeah. not like the people that kind of you happen to, you know, that kind of that growth that sort of happens with people you don't know, like how, mm. and that's where it becomes the numbers game. Like how even relevant is that growth? Because they don't really know you. And I guess that's where it does get to that new stage or on, your, or on a whole new level where there's a lot of people following you who you mm. don't know. But I think it's important to keep in mind that like trying to connect with the audience as people and as people you do know and actually making those connections rather than it just being a numbers game. Yeah, totally. I. I couldn't agree more it unless that unless you have that physical connection it's it's tough um Mm. to to feel like it's real and all my real fans have been people that I've met in person and connected with Mm. and it might have been for ages it might have been for a second but yeah you're totally right that um physicality like being human to human comes at the top of the chain and and that's what I was finding in, in a lot of DJing like and playing shows that's that's where people really connect they have moments they have their own memories that they can look back on and they can see themselves in mm. your artistic project mm. literally mm. and it makes it much easier to connect and and that's where instagram comes into it okay hey like here's somewhere to like stay plugged in mm. to that experience yeah it's like rather than trading numbers now you trade instagram accounts like <laughs> yeah. to, to yeah. keep in contact yeah it probably um, is i guess that's how this podcast happened right yeah exactly <laughs> oh, actually no we would have the masterclass the physicality came first well we had the physicality again. first exactly and then the instagram yeah. yeah but for me that's it it's like i don't 
And I've always actually found it awkward following people that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm yeah, always like, yeah. oh, hello. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, without it, like, it just feels strange because then you, you feel like you actually can't really connect with them because there hasn't really been an introduction sort of thing. Mm. And you can, but it's just another barrier to get past. And I guess that's exactly. what we're saying. When you meet someone in person, it's just that more meaningful connection to begin with. It's easier to then, you know, progress a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So I guess something that came up earlier too when you're talking about connection was the connection that you're doing is also a lot of nonverbal connection through art and music, which is really interesting. So how do you find, um, like, it, it starts with, like, as a DJ, what are you feeding off, like, from the crowd? And do you find you're having conversations after as well or do you really just get a lot of connection just from that transaction between being on stage with the audience? Yeah, I think. DJing for me has always, uh, as I said before, I'm, I'm sensitive. Like I, I feel like I can walk into a room and if, and if an energy is a certain way, maybe I, maybe I'm aware of that. And, that. and there's a lot of that in DJing, a lot of empathy. It's like, Hey, what, what's this room? How's it going on? Do, do people want to be dancing? Mm. Like what's, what's the flavor trying to, you know, test things, connect. And that's sort of the conversation, like dropping mm. a record in that might be a little bit more upbeat, happy. Okay. Like I'm trying to make eye contact with people around the room. How are they feeling? Mm. How has this impacted it? Okay, I think I have another tool, another song that might be able to, okay, push it a little bit more in that direction. So I think the connection comes from that listening and that empathy in the room, being able to read a room. Mm. I think that's where the heart-to-heart nonverbal connection really happens. And then the conversations that come after that are normally about those nonverbal connections, you know, oh, you dropped this record then, or oh, I, the way you move that to that is, yeah, I hadn't seen that done before. Or mm. it's it's the nonverbal connection with DJing is is really really powerful, and with visuals, like that's the dream, right? Have have music playing, have like you know vibrations hitting a body and hitting ears, and then having uh, pixels banging out all these cool colors and cool shapes, and and people can get an overwhelming nonverbal connection with that, and that's where I've had the success. That's creating an environment where an individual can and a group can sit there and and um maybe feel listened to or, or feel surprised or any sort mm. of emotion that that's the real connection for sure mm. so you're um because I was gonna say it's obviously very real time when you're DJing with your art um are you because I was usually gonna say with art you don't get that immediate feedback mm. but you're using your art at your shows aren't you yeah yeah I am using the art at the shows they they, they, it's probably something that more prepared than something live. It's uh, yeah. with my visuals, I'm trying to describe the world that I know I'm going to be in with mm. the music. And mm. so that's something that's prepared and the feedback's a little bit slower. Yeah. It's a slightly different process. So, I mean, that's the same with music as well. Like I mm. don't feel like I've got feedback on music until I've brought it to a, to a proper speaker system with a, mm. with a crowd and, and dropped it in context. Mm. Yeah. The, the feedback from you know, producing music and producing artworks. It's um, it's a little bit, you've got to put it out and an audience needs to tell you what they think. There's that, mm-hmm. um, always that connection between artist and audience. And mm. if, if you're not putting that out, then uh, yeah, you'll never know. So mm. what would you, how would you describe a show of yours and what are the themes of your work? Hmm. That's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> the themes of my work, it's, it's um identity i think it's me trying to wrap my head around identity and testing barriers with that it's like hey in that same way you described 
Bowie before as he would play those characters. It's the artwork and the world is very much those characters. Like I love making crazy hard electronic music because when I see that in other people and them doing that, it's like, oh, I'd love to play that character. I'd love to see what that feels like. And I think I could do my own version of that. So it's um yeah, it's very, it's very much a matter of testing, testing the water with with themes and and trying to work out more about myself. Mm. And the person I want to be. And uh, I I think in general, it's a little bit uncanny valley where I'll try to find um, a a little bit of a surprise in how far I can push my characters towards human without being human. Mm -hmm. And that little bit of uncomfortable feeling when you you might see it in some weird animations or something where you just get a little bit uncomfortable. It looks a little bit too human and not quite enough. Yeah. I love love that stuff. It's creepy, but I, I like what that does to people and what it has them thinking about that's the territory and I try to make that beautiful mm. those uncomfortable moments and that uncomfortable feeling in in that awkwardness that comes with pushing something quite human quite not that space there I think would be one of the themes I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to push so because awesome. it makes it makes me think about myself it's like there's that's the the way I see myself is like you know there's is everything mixed in there's there's shame and there's glory and there's all these things mixed together it's like how do I express that in one big push mm. and um there has to be a little bit of discomfort a little bit of surprise a little bit of beauty and, and all those things entangled in that mm. balance yeah for sure and then you've got those beautiful like flowers those oh they're so amazing um yeah. how much is like the natural world influencing your work as well yeah big piece so um those are the terraform artworks I hold them so dearly and Basically, the way they're built is um, 3D scans of plants mixed with robotic elements. So a plant torn apart, just a leaf, just the beautiful part of it left over. And then the structure and roots actually feeding that built from fully mechanical pieces. So again, mm. it's that balance of, hey, here's beauty and here's this awkward thing that we're not really talking about mm. mashed together in the one piece. And it's like, how do I still shine it and gloss it enough that it's a little bit awkward and the themes in it are uncomfortable, but it's beautiful around it and 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 people can sort of learn something by seeing the duality in it. So mm. yeah. And there's bits of myself in there. There's um the sunflower work, which is probably the most popular one. Um, that's my mom. My mom's always loved sun- sunflowers and um I thought that was one I had to touch. So I think uh, I don't know if we've got video on the podcast, but I've got all the terraform artworks popping up here. I'll add it to the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, beauty, yeah, beauty. yeah. So, cool. um, yeah, have a look at those pieces, and you, and I think you'll find the theme. Mm. Are they because they're obviously um, all three D and everything? But would you ever consider making the physical version of them? Oh, that yeah, that's the goal. As you know, because they're so stunning. <laughs> <laughs> they're so stunning. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Um, it's on the cards. It's it's one of those big to-do list items, one of those North mm. Star moments that yeah. um, I will get to. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the, having a physical environment, like, built from digital art and built from those things is is the next step, I think, for to mix, you know, to bring that, to close that gap a little bit on the on the music and the visuals, having something that started digital be totally physical. Mm. It's a pretty, um, pretty good way to do that. Mm. And with your music, um, what what are your sort of vision there with the DJing? Like, are you producing your own originals as well? Yeah, yeah, awesome. it's uh, it's a lot it's of under made by Suki. Yep, under yeah. made by Suki. Uh, 
yeah, there's there's stacks of original music. So so what's the vibe there? Uh, Genre-wise, it's it's breaks, breakbeat stuff. So in the past, it's awesome. probably lent towards trap, bass, and dubstep. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's quick now. It's it's one thirty-five and up. Um, nice. It's built from a lot of samples and a lot of uh, synthesis. So I've got a Korg MS twenty here with a sequencer attached for beautiful quick bass lines and uh, yeah, really really enjoying it actually. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I think. That's all of the questions I sort of had. Was there anything further you wanted to share about like what's coming up for you next or, you know, where you see this creative vision for Made by Suki sort of developing? Yeah, I think um, I'll, I'll stay on the path. <laughs> There's a few shows coming up around uh, Sydney, Newcastle, and I think a little bit out west with uh, Lithgow, Lithgow, Bathurst. So if you're around New South Wales, I will be here. Um, mm-hmm. But if not, I'm on Instagram all the time um, posting. There's plenty of the new remixes that are coming out and a few originals being teased at the moment there. So um, look forward to sort of getting out of my own way with the releases and sharing that process. And um, Yeah, I think releasing music is hard, isn't it? Like there's this whole other game to it. Yeah. If you kind of make it and then putting it out, like I'm releasing a track tomorrow and it's just, again, another part of the brain. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the more business side you're going to go into. <laughs> yeah, and that's it's the balance between like um, not wanting to waste a good thing mm. but also being able to let go of that clenched fist you have to the perfect idea of what the music's going to sound like. So mm. I'm finding at the moment that the more I let go of Made by Suki, the more it comes back. Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's about having... Um, Something, something to ground us within what we're doing, which is really just ourselves, and mm. then letting it just organically unfold and life is constantly leading us, right? Like these messages and things are coming through. And if we're too kind of stuck in a model, it's mm. very easy to sort of pass by these opportunities. Yeah, exactly. I think that's yeah. really well put. Don't forget <laughs> all models are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm taking that away. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, Adam. Thanks, Jess. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening and you can find out more about Made by Suki and creative wellbeing in the show notes. Adam and I would love to connect with you.